Hey everyone, welcome to the More to Movement podcast, the show about why your movement matters, how to get optimal outcomes through science-backed practical solutions, and the mindset required to level up your results. Lunges are everyone's go-to exercise for the legs, but are all lunges created equal? Today, I will discuss how unique the lunge pattern is, I'm going to discuss common errors to avoid while performing the exercise and how to modify it to target specific muscles that you want to develop. I'll also provide you with three of my favorite lunge exercise variations to optimize your efforts. Let's get started. Welcome to the More to Movement podcast, where we break down the science behind movement and provide you with tangible takeaways so you can take charge of your health and fitness and achieve lasting results. If you're ready to optimize your efforts, move with purpose, and invest in your health and performance with confidence and vigor, you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Pete Rowletter. What's up, movers? Welcome back to the show, episode 28. And today we are talking about lunges, also known as split squats. And this is one of those exercises you either love or you hate. And if you hate them, Usually the reason is that you either have difficulty performing it or you aren't entirely executing the pattern correctly to target the muscles that you want to work. Each lunge pattern is unique and due to the nature of the position, even subtle changes to the pattern will change the muscles that contribute to it. That's important. Understanding how you're actually performing the exercise matters. I hope that today you'll have a better understanding of the lunge pattern and how to modify it to make it work for you and make it work for your goals. That's a big takeaway for today. Understanding the lunge's complexity is important because it differs from most other compound movements. When we talk about compound movements, we mean multi-joint movements. Almost every other compound movement is bilateral and occurs in parallel, like the squat or the hinge, meaning that both legs do the same thing at the same time. That's what we mean by bilateral and in parallel. The lunge, however, is a split stance with one leg in an extended position and the other is flexed. This stance alone requires significant control and coordination to execute it correctly. Further, the joint moments or also known as the forces at the joints, occur in opposite directions due to the split stance. So the hip flexors of the rear leg and the hip extensors of the front leg must work simultaneously during a repetition. So when we talk about the hip flexors, we're talking about those muscles in the front of the hip, and we talk about the hip extensors, we're talking about the muscles in the back of the hip, like the glutes and the hamstrings. So they're working in opposition during a repetition, and that's unique. And we have to think about all the implications that occur with this split stance. When the lunge, or again, the split squat, whatever you want to call it, is performed in a static position, meaning we're not moving, we're not taking a step forward or or backwards, we're actually in a stationary position, it is considered a closed kinetic chain. But if you change your base of support, like performing a walking lunge, so we're actually walking now with this lunge pattern, it becomes a functional kinetic chain, alternating between open and closed kinetic chains. If you want to learn more about kinetic chains, check out episode number eight of the podcast. It was part of my Principles of Movement series. Or check out the show notes page at moretomovement.com forward slash episode eight. Have the transcript, but also 
uh, have an infographic that really defines and goes over the different types of kinetic chains and how they impact movement. So if that's something you want to dive into a little bit deeper, check that out. But kind of going back to the lunge here, this functional kinetic chain changes the dynamics of not only the mobility needed at the hips, but the stability and the force transfer through the hips. And the great thing about the lunge exercise is that it engages the glutes, hamstrings, hip flexors, and the quadriceps regardless of the style that you choose. However, if you understand the mechanics of the pattern, you can modify the position to target specific muscles to a greater degree based on your goals. Muscle activation is influenced by trunk position, it's influenced by stride length, movement mechanics, and so it's essential to know how each of these can make a big impact. So let's start with the trunk position. Most lunges are performed with an upright vertical posture, which is stacked over the hips. This position will target all those muscles that I just talked about, but will tend to target the quadriceps more than the glutes and the hamstrings. But if we flex the trunk slightly, meaning that we have a slightly forward lean, we change our center of mass and recruit more posterior chain muscles during the lunge, specifically the glutes and the hamstrings. So immediately, we can determine what area we want to focus on and change our trunk position or trunk posture to target that area. But it doesn't stop there. Our stride length and consequently our shin angle or the lower leg, the tibia, that angle will also determine muscle activation. It's no secret that lunges can stress the patellofemoral joint, also known as the knee, in both legs during a lunge. So we need to weigh our goals versus our risk of increased stress on our knees before modifying our shin angles. Let me explain this. If I take a giant stride forward with my feet wide and far apart, my shin angle will be vertical. My lower leg or my tibia will be vertical. This vertical shin position will emphasize the glute and the hamstrings more. So if my goal is to target the glutes, this would be the best stance. However, this wide stride will result in more significant stress on the back or that trail knee than the front or the lead knee. The opposite holds true as well. If my stride is short, the lead leg and the lead leg knee specifically will move past my toes, emphasizing my quadriceps during the lunge. Now, I know some of you might be shaking your head with the thought of your knees moving forward past your toes, but let me assure you that the literature indicates that it is safe if the angle is not too excessive and you have appropriate mobility and strength and you don't have any pre-existing injuries. So that's just something to consider. Again, you have to find that level of appropriateness for you or your client. However, the angled shin position puts more stress on the lead knee than the trail leg. So you do have a decision to make. Either position, short stride or long stride, will put stress on the knees. You need to determine the safest for you or your client based on training status and joint integrity, as well as the goal of the exercise. What are you trying to target? Every exercise has a risk to reward ratio. So weighing all the mitigating factors before selecting exercises is essential. You need to do that anyway. Like I always say, train with a purpose and train with intent. Know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Again, there's always gonna be that risk to reward ratio. You have to determine 
what the best course of action is. Finally, mechanics play a significant role as well. Many things influence mechanics, but I'm gonna focus on mobility and the center of mass. With lunges, mobility will be a limiting factor, especially if you can't descend to the angle needed to target those specific muscles you're after. With lunges, the most limited muscle group tends to be the hip flexors. If the anterior hip is tight, it will hinder your ability to fully extend the back leg, bring that back leg back is what I mean, compromising hip and trunk position and limiting that range of motion. As I've said, the lunge will engage all the muscles we've discussed thus far, but the deeper you go, the more posterior muscles get involved. So if you can't get to a deep angle, you're gonna limit your glute engagement to a degree. Additionally, the center of mass is essential as well. We talked about the center of mass through the trunk position, but where we emphasize pressure through the ground can influence the lunge. The lunge should have about 75% of your weight distributed to that lead leg and the other 25% to that support trail leg. But if we change the ratio and put more emphasis on the trail leg, it changes the sheer stress of the trail knee and the muscle activation. It focuses significantly on the hip flexors and the quadriceps of the trail leg during eccentric and concentric phases, which if done purposefully could be beneficial. But again, you gotta know what you're going after. Train with purpose, train with intent. Decide how you wanna execute the pattern to get the right type of muscle activation. Further, where we apply pressure through the foot can impact muscle activation as well. Ideally, we should push through the midsole of our foot with a balance of both the front and the back. But if we shift our pressure to our toes, we emphasize the anterior chain or the quadriceps more. And if we shift our pressure to our heels, more posterior chain, glutes, and hamstrings will kick in. Again, this is fine if it's done purposefully, but I often don't see that. I often see it done due to a lack of mobility at the ankle. This mobility issue makes the decision for you, which could be why you're not getting what you want out of your lunge. Addressing mechanics can be super helpful in improving your outcomes. So, just talked a lot about movement, the mechanics, all the mitigating factors, so let me review it real quick one more time for you. If we want more anterior chain, let me simplify this, more quads, a couple things you can do. Have an upright vertical torso, or a short stride, so the knee slightly moves over the toes, or push through your toes during the lunge. If we want more posterior chain, so we wanna get more glute or hamstrings, we can slightly flex the torso, lean forward just a bit, or have a long stride with a vertical shin, or we can push through your heels, or finally, Aim for depth during the lunge. Try to get deeper into the lunge to get more of those posterior chain fibers. Now, the goal is to have an ideal movement, but let's be honest, we all have some flaws. So here are a few movement errors to look out for so you can proactively address these limitations to get the most out of your training efforts. Number one, poor balance and coordination. The split stance can be difficult for some people due to the requirement of the hip and the trunk to stabilize. 
So watch for excessive medial lateral or side to side or anterior posterior, which is that front to back movement, or even look out for some of that rotational movement. And of course, address some balance and core activation to improve this. Number two, poor joint range of motion. I spoke about this previously, but observe both legs, not just the lead leg. Look at both the front and the back. Often, poor big toe flexion, the ability to actually come up on your big toe with that back leg will prevent the appropriate position and it will create a compensated movement pattern in the body. So you might wanna look at how well your big toe can move and if it's flexible and you can actually get to a stable position in that dorsiflexed position. Number three, over pronation of the foot and valgus knee. So viewing from the front, if I'm looking at you from the front as you're lunging, over pronation or valgus knee can be observed when the middle of the foot collapses and moves towards the ground. So the inside of the foot collapses and moves towards the ground. And, and most times, most often, the knee will follow. The knee will move forward. We'll see this internal rotation at the tibia and the knee moves forward. The knee should be stacked over the foot, but with this malalignment, the knee will be inward. We call a valgus effect. This can be due to flat feet, or due to tight gastro, uh, gastronemius or soleus complex, also known as the tricep psori, uh, calf muscles, or weak glute complex at the hip. So if you observe this, it may be wise to improve mobility of the foot and the ankle and increase the strength of the glute medius muscle, the glute maximus muscle, and even work on foot control, being able to spread those toes so that we have better arch support that will help us stabilize our foot. Number four, external or internal rotation of the trail foot. So that back foot is moving in or out. It's not staying put during the lunge. The trail leg is crucial for maintaining the support and integrity of the movement. If there's a lack of stability in that trail leg, it could influence the trunk stability or even the hip stability. Ideally, the trail leg should be flexed at the big toe. We kind of talked about that already with the heel pointing toward the ceiling. So we should be on our toes with that trail leg. If we're able to get in that position and we see the trail foot rotate during the lunge, it typically indicates the issues at the hip. It could be a lack of balance, tight hip flexors, or tight hip rotators, preventing the hips from staying neutral and balanced. If you see this, check those muscles for a range of motion and mobility uh, to ensure proper position during lunch. Just take a look at that and see if they're balanced. And number five, horizontal displacement. This is when the body moves forward, not down during the lunge, as if the person's rocking back and forth. And this is often attributed more to mobility than to strength, specifically the mobility of the calves, maybe having tight hip flexors or poor hip strength and balance. Best thing to do is to adjust the stride length and descent depth to a level that promotes good technique and control. First and foremost, that's where we should start. From there, you can continually improve the things contributing to this pattern. Technique and control always come first and it sets the foundation for success. So just covered five typical problems and what to look for with those issues. So now you have insight into how to modify the lunge pattern to fit your needs. We talked about that with focusing more quads or more glutes. 
You just finished up talking about what to look for regarding some of those movement discrepancies. So finally, let me share my favorite three lunge exercise variations to really optimize this pattern's development. Number one, deficit lunge. This is my go-to lunge for glute and hamstring development since it emphasizes those muscles. This lunge focuses on elevating the lead leg to allow for more depth. With more depth at the lead leg, you can lengthen and load the posterior chain to a greater degree, really challenging the glutes and the hamstrings. The degree of elevation depends on a couple things. So first, your mobility. If you don't have the mobility to get into deep hip flexion, you'll wanna avoid a high platform. Secondly, your limb length plays a role because you still want to maintain proper form and control. Typically, the taller you are, the more elevation you'll need to hit the appropriate range of motion for this exercise. You can use plyo boxes, but I like to just simply stack plates to the height that I prefer. It's a lot easier to modify. Remember, this isn't a step-up exercise. The front leg must be elevated enough to allow a deeper descent of the lead leg. So I use bumper plates because they're thicker and less likely to slip due to the rubber coating. So you just wanna think about that, make sure that you're always thinking safety first. So use something that will give you traction and will allow you to, to sustain that position through this lunge. To execute it, ensure you maintain a vertical shin to optimize the load of the posterior chain. Since the front leg is elevated, you may hinder your descent if you have a flexed trunk. So I also suggest an upright trunk on this one. Avoid touching the back knee to the ground. And that really goes for any lunge variation because it could disrupt the muscle tension that you're trying to create through the pattern, or it could allow you a little bit of a short rest, and we don't want that. We wanna stay under tension. Stop about an inch or two from the ground and focus your weight distribution on that lead leg. It's a great posterior chain lunge variation. Uh, so give it a try. I think you'll really like it. Number two, single kettlebell front rack contralateral lunge. Okay, long name, I know, but it tells you exactly what it is, right? Single kettlebell front rack position contralateral lunge. Minus that long name, this exercise is excellent at engaging both anterior and posterior chain. With the addition of challenging balance, core engagement, and hip stability. That's why I like this one. I've discussed this before in my episode on muscle slings, but it's worth revisiting really quick here. When in a single leg stance, whether you're lunging, climbing stairs, or walking, pelvis must stabilize and remain as neutral as possible in all the planes of movement, the sagittal, the frontal, and the transverse plane. Any excessive movement in either of these planes will cause force, tension and alignment compensations, leading to a reduced range of motion, muscular imbalance through the hips or the trunk, decreased neuromuscular control, and it'll impact movement efficiency or even performance. And it can even increase the risk of injury. I know, a lot going on there. That's why we have to stabilize the hips. The common observable weakness is a hip drop. It's also known as a Trendelenburg sign of the opposite hip during the stance phase. And the typical culprit is the weak glute medius. Studies have indicated that a contralateral load during lunging engages and challenges the glute medius to a really high degree. Hence why I really like this exercise. When we talk about contralateral, we mean opposite. So if I am trying to work on the stability of my left 
leg during the lunge, so my left leg is the lead leg, I am going to put the kettlebell in a front rack position on the right side of my body. That's contralateral. That's gonna really challenge that glute medius. This lunge variation significantly challenges the glute medius to engage and stabilize while targeting both the anterior and posterior chain muscles. And then further, of course, contralateral load overloads one side of the body, forcing the trunk and the core to brace and engage to maintain that neutral spine. So this is a balance and core exercise as well. Set this up with a front rack position with the kettlebell by putting your hand through the window of the kettlebell and gripping the handle so the bell is on the back of your hand and tucked between your forearm and upper arm and then you're gonna hold that at shoulder level. You're gonna assume that split stance with the lead leg opposite the front racked kettlebell. So like I said earlier, if you're holding the kettlebell in your right hand, then your left leg will be the lead leg. Select the stride that you want based on your goal. But for this exercise, I suggest a stride that keeps your shin vertical and an upright vertical trunk. It's just my recommendation, but modify it the way that you want to do it. As you descend, focus on staying balanced and keeping a neutral spine and keep an emphasis on keeping your knee aligned over your foot. This is challenging on multiple levels, so have some fun with it, give it a shot. Number three, TKE split squats. TKE stands for Terminal Knee Extension Split Squats. Love, love, love this variation. This is my favorite one to overload the quads. This is gonna be the quad-focused lunge variation. It combines the anterior-focused lunge pattern with a resisted terminal knee extension at the end of the concentric action. So this really targets the quads. You'll need a heavy or monster band, so heavy band or monster band, whatever you want to call it, anchored to something sturdy in front of you and at knee height. So the band should be parallel to the floor. Step into the band with your lead leg and put it right beneath the knee. Step back far enough so that there's tension in the band. It should feel like your leg wants to pull forward. The tension is up to you, but remember you need to keep the tension the entire time. Then you're gonna perform a lunge, but make sure to make it anterior chain focused by maintaining an upright trunk and a shorter stride to create an angled shin. Remember we talked about that, that's how we'll target the quads. As you descend, let your knee move over your toes slightly to load the quadriceps. The band may help pull the knee forward, so ensure you don't allow your body to move forward. Just move that knee forward. Your body should move in a vertical pattern as your knee flexes forward. Here's the kicker. As you ascend out of the lunge, as you come out of the lunge, focus on fully extending that lead leg against the band's resistance. So push the knee back against the resistance. Move the knee back. This is resisted knee extension and will put significant emphasis on the quadriceps. So this is the terminal knee extension. It's like adding a knee extension exercise to a lunge, and it's a dynamic combo to target the quads. Give it a shot, I think you might like it. If you like visuals of these three exercises, head over to moretomovement.com forward slash episode 28 to check out the show notes page, and I will have videos of these three exercises. If you're more of a visual learner, check out the show notes page and these videos to have a better understanding of these lunge variations. All right, so hopefully you have a newfound appreciation for the lunge pattern 
and ways to fine tune it to get the exercise to actually work for you in the ways that you want. Hopefully, I've convinced you to join Team Lunge or Team Split Squat, but if not, maybe at the very least, you've gained some ways to make the lunge more appropriate for your goals, how to actually target the muscles that you want to work and how to remediate or improve some of those lunge flaws that you may have. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hopefully you got something from this. It means a lot that you're listening to these episodes. If you're enjoying this content, head over to mortemovement.com forward slash email to sign up for my weekly email, which is a dose of the means and the mindset to level up your fitness, movement, and life. Again, it's mortemovement.com forward slash email. I look forward to chatting with you all next time. Thanks again so much for joining me. Take care of yourselves. And remember, wherever you are, keep moving. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of More to Movement with your host, Pete Rowletter. If you enjoyed the show, please visit moretomovement.com where you can find this episode's show notes along with more episodes and articles to empower you on your journey.